Welcome back to the TEFL Training Institute podcast, everyone. I'm Ross Thorburn, and in this week's episode, we're talking about how to use corpus data in class with students. My guest this week is Paul Thompson from the University of Birmingham, who's got lots of experience both researching corpora and designing activities for students in the classroom using corpora, for example, in his newest book called Campus Talk. In this episode, you'll hear me ask Paul why it's useful for students to use corpora. What are some of the skills that teachers and students need to have to be able to use corpora effectively? And Paul also tells us about some of his favorite corpus-based activities for students. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us. To begin with, why is it useful for teachers to get students to use corpora in class? How does that help students when they don't have corpus data in front of them? Yeah, absolutely. What's the value of corpus activities? I think the main one is, is the way of thinking about language, sort of looking at nature or looking at phenomena around you and making use of that part of the human brain, which is the pattern detecting inclination. We look to find patterns. Now, if we're simply following rules, the rules are sort of patterns that we're told to impose upon the world around us. We can also productively activate that pattern detecting tendency in the brain, look for the patterns in language, and then be curious about the patterns. Think about these patterns occurring in certain contexts, thinking about why these patterns occur. From one point of view, you could say, well, how are boys and girls described within your corpus data? And, and quite likely you'll find that boys and girls are pretty much stereotyped in, in a lot of your data. So then you question those patterns. You don't have to simply accept and reproduce the patterns, but you need to be able to see patterns and, and to think critically about them. I would say that the corpus activities move one towards being more observational, raising language awareness so that as you listen to people talking in the language that you're studying, as you're reading in the language that you're studying, you're becoming more aware. Your metalinguistic awareness is being developed and you may notice things more by being sensitized to patterning that you wouldn't think of necessarily if you're just interacting and, 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 and um, working in that language. I mean, one thing I point out is I wouldn't think that corpus activities would be everything in a language teaching classroom. And, and, and there are some people who sort of argue that we need to look, you know, just be driven by the data, look at the evidence all the time. I, I think realistically, that's just not practical. <laughs> I think in many cases, it's, in most cases, what we're doing is, is thinking about how some corpus consultation activities can be introduced into the repertoire of the language teacher. Great. Next, I wanted to ask you about the skills that teachers and students need to have to be able to use a corpus like, let's say, COCA, the Corpus of Contemporary American English, to do corpus activities in class. What do teachers and students need to know about something like COCA if they're going to use it? 
I mean, one of the basic things is to learn how to find your way around. Coker offers a lot of tools for finding out about language. The first option is to look for a word. So you can choose a word like data. And so you just type in D-A-T-A. But you've got to decide what kind of results you're going to get returned to you. So you could look up the word data and you could just find out how frequent the word data is. That's a sort of basic thing. And that the list view tells you how frequent that is. The second type is that you look it up on a chart and the chart view shows you how often the word is used in different types of language use. So typically you've got spoken language, how often it's used in spoken language data within the corpus, how often it's used within academic uh, text within the corpus, how often it's used in fiction, how often it's used in TV programs, etc. So that you can get a bit of a sense of whether this word is highly frequent in all registers of language use. But it also, next to that, gives you information about its relative frequency in different time periods. So the 1990s, the early 1990s, late 1990s, early 2000s, late 2000s, etc. So that you can see whether something is sort of growing in frequency or decreasing. And that's another view that you can obtain. But then if you want to start looking at sort of combinations between words, you might want to be able to look for a particular adjective and find out what adverb goes before it. So let's take the adjective brilliant. Which adverbs can you place before brilliant? So you need to make a query which says, find me an adverb. And then the next word has got to be brilliant. And To do that, you need to know the code, the convention for how to search for an adverb. And then you can obtain either frequency information about which adverbs are most frequently used before brilliant. Or you can then go to the chart view and find out the sort of relative frequency of brilliant with different adverbs before it. But then Coca's got loads of other things that you can do. You can look at concordance lines. And the concordance lines are kind of fun because they're the different parts of speech are coloured in different ways. So the verbs, for example, are one colour, let's say green, and nouns are blue, etc. So that again, rather than people looking simply at shapes of words, they can also look at colour sequences. You can use the colours in order to see regular patterning through a whole set of lines. And then there are new tools integrated into COCA where you can build up a picture of a word where you can get information about the collocates. You can get a whole set of concordance lines. You can listen to the pronunciation of the word. You can get dictionary information. You can get thesaurus information. And this is all packaged very neatly for the teacher. You can select from that information. It's a quick route to gather all of the information which Some of it might be contained in a dictionary. Some of it might be contained in a thesaurus. Some of it might be contained in a pronouncing dictionary, etc. But it's all brought together in COCA in one place. Next, I wanted to explore how teachers can use some of that corpus data in class. 
You mentioned there how often words appear in corpora, and that's obviously related to word frequency. So how can teachers get students to use word frequencies to help them in learning English? For learners, it can be useful because they can think about how much effort they're going to put into different words, uh, words which are more frequent. They may wish to spend more time on learning and uh, exploring, uh, getting to know more about. And typically words which are highly frequent also are more likely to be polysimous, uh, to have a range of meanings. So if you focus in on words which are very frequent, you may also want to start looking at the different senses of that word. Um, but I think a lot of it is to do with investment of time. What, what's it worth investing your time in as, as a, a learner? And also uh, as a teacher, thinking which are the words which is more important to focus on. Great. So another interesting aspect of a corpus is you can see the context in which words are used. You'll have a word usually in the middle of the page and the words surrounding it are obviously from the original text that it comes from. How can teachers make use of that aspect of corpora in class? Um, well, when linguists started working with corpora and started developing corpus linguistics, and then people started making claims that the findings of corpus linguists were of importance to language teachers. And, and in that initial debate about whether corpus findings and corpus data were useful in language teaching, one of the arguments against the use of corpora was that this was decontextualized language because you just saw words printed on the page or printed on a screen and these lines were removed from their context. I've done work with a colleague looking at using corpus data with primary school children. At the beginning, we, we, we printed stuff out on paper so that the kids could have a look at concordance lines. Okay, so the idea is you've got a word in the middle and a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, and then you have several lines, one on top of another, in which that word appears in the middle. And one of the things I noticed was that the kids, when they were asked about the lines, always wanted to read the lines out. Adults tend to just look at the line and sort of see it rather in a detached way, whereas the kids, maybe just because they're used to reading out, teachers are always saying, can Johnny, can you read that out? And, and they read it out. But even with the concordance lines, they were reading out these lines and dramatising them. And in dramatising the lines, they are recontextualizing the language. They're imagining a voice saying this. They're imagining the situation. And, and they may or may not get exactly what that situation is. But it's a bit like reading a novel yourself, that you read it in your mind and you can imagine the sounds of the words and the language appears to be decontextualized but as human readers we tend to recontextualize we try to imagine the sounds of it of course that's going to be a bit more difficult if it's not your first language but i think there is quite a sort of natural tendency towards trying to give meaning to words and when you're giving meaning to words trying to imagine the context in which in which they're used I love that example, Paul. I think that would make for a great activity for just about any age group, dramatizing language from a corpus. And obviously that relates to collocations. Earlier you were talking about words that go before the word brilliant. And corpora can give us that kind of information as well as information about what words follow a word that we're looking up. 
How can teachers make use of that data with their students? Sure. I mean, it's a great way of sort of going beyond the individual, the isolated word on a word list. So I think there's an awful lot you can do just at looking at particular verbs, which nouns they go with. Looking at, for example, an adverb or a set of adverbs, like intensifying adverbs, and seeing which adjectives they typically go with. And conversely, look at some adjectives and think which intensifying adverbs typically go with those adjectives. Finally, Paul, do you have any suggestions for listeners who are designing their own corpus investigation activities for the classroom? What do you think those should include? Um, In the book, we do have some corpus investigation activities, like the one I was just uh, mentioning there was um, looking in COCA, finding particular intensifying adverbs. Actually, it goes a different way. What we say is look at these particular adjectives and then look at what adverb precedes. And the first step is that the students might think that any adverb going before this adjective must be an intensifier. But just wait a moment. Have a look carefully. Are all of those adverbs actually making something stronger? And in that case, the word uh, little is appearing before the adjective. Obviously, that's not intensifying. So the investigation shouldn't be just a question of press a button and count. It needs to be press a button, look at the words, make decisions, think about them, and then count. So a good corpus activity shouldn't be just uh, box-ticking activities. They should be ones which, which stimulate people to ask questions about language, to be curious about language. time everyone that was paul thompson from the university of birmingham if you're interested in finding out how some of these ideas get applied in practice then check out paul's latest book campus talk effective communication beyond the classroom that's co-authored with sylvana dushku and contains many examples of the activities that paul was talking about in this episode remember if you'd like to support the show you can click on the link in the show notes to buy us a coffee You can write us a good review wherever you listen. That's really useful because it helps new listeners find the show. Or you can simply share this episode with a friend. For more podcasts just like this one, go to our website, www.tefltraininginstitute.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross underscore Thorburn and keep up to date with the podcast at facebook.com slash Institute. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you again next time. Goodbye.